This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. It is time to launch a new war against the evil of lies, deceit, and darkness and go all out to win the victory of truth and transparency and light. Sure, go ahead. Believe everything you see on television, everything you read in the newspaper. Go ahead. Get your history out of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah, that's right. Oswald killed Kennedy. Yeah, sure he did. Man, you are living in Disneyland. 1,500 years ago, everybody knew the Earth was the center of the universe. 500 years ago, everybody knew the Earth was flat. And 15 minutes ago, you knew that people were alone on this planet. Imagine what you'll know tomorrow. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Hey, welcome, friends. Welcome to the broadcast for Sunday, August the 21st. If you go onto the website, richardserrett.com, you'll see I was to be doing the show live from Los Angeles. Well, that was kind of a shot in the dark. I was uh, in Texas at the time. We're on the road filming episodes for our upcoming uh, television show, season two of The Conspiracy Show. I'll tell you about that a little bit more in uh, a few minutes. Um, I wasn't sure where I would be Sunday night. Well, here I am. I'm not in Los Angeles, but lo and behold, where do you think I am? I'll give you a hint. Well, first of all, I'm coming to you live from the Death Valley, which is kind of appropriate, Uh, but I'm in... Pahrumpf, Nevada, which has kind of special meaning uh, to me. Uh, Our friends down the dial, our competition, of course, there's a certain very popular late night radio program that airs really around the world. I don't look at them as competition, really. Uh, We're all in the sort of the same business, I guess, trying to get people to to wake up. Anyway, a certain host of that show, uh, who I believe is sort of retired now, used to do that program every night from Pahrumpf, Nevada. Well, I'm here in Pahrumpf, and uh, I don't know, is that a sign? I'm not really sure. However, uh, we have an interesting show for you coming up. A little bit later, in just a few moments, we're going to welcome Arnold Beiser to the show. Arnold, I first met him several weeks ago in his lovely home in Boca Raton, Florida. Again, filming an episode for the uh, upcoming TV show. He's an extraordinary gentleman with a very interesting story to tell. He's a Bible code researcher. We're going to delve into Bible codes. And uh, he's going to connect some interesting dots. He's very interested in the POW cause. He's involved with families who have family members that went missing or were taken prisoner during the Vietnam War. And here we are 40 years later, almost, since the end of that war. And many of those prisoners of war are unaccounted for. He believes, as do a good many number of people, that those American servicemen are still to this day languishing in prison camps in Vietnam, in Laos. He has evidence. He's also found evidence in some might say a rather unlikely place, the Bible. 
I'll tell you about that in just a few moments. I mentioned the uh, the television show, the conspiracy show, and uh, we are on the road uh, since uh, Tuesday. Landed in Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, rented a uh, a vehicle. Have been making our way across the great Southwest, interviewing some fascinating people. I'm in Pahrumpf, uh tonight, hoping to speak with a gentleman who resides in these ear parts. Uh, tomorrow, there's a knock at the door. I think it's room service. <laughs> Uh, and uh, in Pahrumpf, Nevada, is a, a gentleman who, ex-military, claims he was born inside the hollow earth. So we're going to try and get a hold of Colonel Billy Woodward tomorrow and uh, make our way up to Carson City, where we will interview an RFK assassination researcher before making our way into L.A., and we've got a bunch of interviews scheduled there. Some great TV episodes coming your way. Come on over here, Natter. Natter just uh, got the um, the, uh, the room service. Thank you for that. Was that your dad? Yeah. All right. One of our uh, crew members here is uh, a young man, Natter Murray. You say Murray, don't you? Yeah. I call your dad Jalal Murray. Yep. Is Murray acceptable? Speak into the microphone. This uh, young man, 14 years old, is our... When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak to Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. The truth will set you free, but first, it'll really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Welcome back. Uh, We had a little bit of a tenuous uh, internet connection there, so I don't know how much of my intro you heard very quickly. Broadcasting live from Pahrumpf, Nevada. That's right. Uh, It's a long story as, as to how I ended up here. I thought I might be uh, in in Los Angeles. However, I've learned not to question circumstances when it comes to uh, the radio show. Uh, Things just happen. What was that line from uh, Shakespeare in Love uh, when young Will asked asked the uh, theater manager, you know, are things going to work out? He said, yes. And he goes, how do you know? How do you know? It's a mystery. It is a mystery. And, of course, Nevada is... uh, uh, a very mysterious, enchanted place. So, live from Death Valley tonight, uh, Arnold Beezer will be with us in just a few moments. And a uh, very interesting gentleman, trial litigator, and also associated with an organization called Let Freedom Ring. Uh, he's very active in, um, in trying to draw the world's attention to the plight of American servicemen still languishing in POW camps in Laos and uh, Vietnam, 40 years almost, and counting after the end of the Vietnam War. He says they've, uh, they've been forgotten, but they are still there, and it's a dirty secret. Uh, and the government has turned their backs on them. Anyway, he's found evidence for that in a very unusual place, and that would be, of course, the Bible. We are talking about Bible codes. And uh, I'm not sure if... Uh, is Arnold there? We're no. waiting his return. Here. Right here. Arnold, are you there? Good evening. Hey, Arnold, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Good to have you aboard. Uh, thanks for the privilege and honor to be here. And it was a delight meeting you, uh, meeting you in your, uh, your lovely home in Boca Raton a few weeks ago. Yeah, it was a pleasure meeting you then for the first time, too. And we should point out, there will be, of course, an episode on uh, the Bible Codes coming up in Season 2. 
uh, of our TV program, which kicks off September the 28th in just a couple of weeks. Uh, Arnold, uh, I mentioned you're a trial litigator. You're president of uh, the nonprofit organization Let Freedom Ring. You're an evangelist, an author, Bible history expert. What else should we know about Arnold? I think that's enough for now. Um, it sort of covers the spectrum. Um, my uh, legal background gave me the training to do research and to deal with facts, not fiction, and that's why um, I try to prove all things. The Bible says prove all things, and that's one of the jobs of a lawyer, uh, if he's doing that kind of work, is to prove his case, and so I tried to do it using um, the Bible scriptures, the Bible code, and actual facts. So I put it all together. Before we dive into the Bible codes, because this is just a fascinating area, I I mean, I was riveted listening to you during our last conversation. Uh, But the organization, uh, Let Freedom Ring, and uh, the, uh, you know, your work with the families of POWs, tell me about Let Freedom Ring. Well, I started Let Freedom Ring back in about 1992 in Philadelphia, which was the, uh, and is, the city of brotherly love, and uh, the Liberty Bell is there. And I figured that would be the place to incorporate uh, where the Liberty Bell was. It says uh, on the Liberty Bell inscribed, um, proclaim, proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all the inhabitants thereof. That's from the book of Leviticus, chapter 25, verse 10. And um, that's really the theme of Let Freedom Ring, Inc., to promote the cause of freedom. And what better way to do it um, with our first project uh, than with prisoners of war missing in action from the Vietnam War in particular, and to try to help set them free. Hard to imagine that uh, it's almost 40 years since the end of the war, and the idea, I think, uh, for most people, hard to wrap their head around, that, that there are still U.S. servicemen languishing in prison of war camps in Vietnam and Laos. Yep, that's hard to believe, but it's true, and uh, unfortunately. And the fact is that our government knows it's true and covered it up and left those uh, men behind, only 571 returned during Operation Homecoming in April of 1973. Um, the rest were expendable. There was uh, for political expediency. The president then at the time was Nixon. He was involved in the Watergate scandal, and he didn't want anything else detrimentally affecting his presidency. And certainly the fact that he would have uh, not gotten back uh, many of our servicemen from the uh, enemy at the time, the North Vietnamese, uh, would not have been a feather in his cap. It would have been uh, something that would have followed him the rest of his life. And so he sent Henry Kissinger to declare peace with honor, and they made a peace treaty, and there was never a full and final accounting of what happened to the other uh, POWs. Uh, And the fact is, Richard, that um, many of those missing in action or POWs that were actual prisoners were known to be alive. In fact, there's a list to this day called the Last Known Alive List, and that list uh, included at least 324 POWs that were known to be captured alive. They even have photographs of them being marched away. One of them was Colonel David Herdlicka, who, uh, whose uh, wife I represent as a lawyer and as a friend. And these people, there have been live sighting reports of them even uh, as late as uh, into the 2000s, you know, this, this uh, uh, new century and this new decade. Well, it's unconscionable, if it, I mean, that, that, that uh, this situation is, con- is uh, being allowed to continue. What, what's, 
What's in it for Vietnam? Why? I mean, we have the U.S. has pretty much full diplomatic relations with that country, uh, trade. Why would they be holding on to these prisoners at this point? Well, there wasn't free trade and, and trade between uh, the two countries until President Clinton um, uh, reestablished that the trade agreement against the will of the um, families of POWs. They didn't want any trade with Vietnam until there was a full and final accounting, and Clinton went ahead uh, when he was in office and uh, made that um, uh, arrangement with the Vietnamese, and we never did get a full and final accounting of what happened to the rest of our servicemen. Um, one of the reasons uh, before that, that um, uh, the government actually covered up the fact that they left men behind alive, they denied it, um, was because um, Nixon had promised, made promises to the Vietnamese in order to obtain his peace with honor uh, as he was pulling out troops because of the public uh, outcry uh, from a segment of society. Uh, Nixon wanted to look good, uh, didn't want a black mark against his name and um, uh, his presidency, and therefore basically wrote off the others uh, that were left behind as dead. He, he had promised the North Vietnamese uh, war reparations, billions of dollars in war reparations. They weren't going to release the prisoners. They held back prisoners and only released 571, uh, using them as bargaining chips. And uh, when Congress found out that the 571, some of them were tortured, and that the practice in the, uh, of the Vietnamese was to torture Americans to get information from them, the Congress refused to uh, grant any war reparations or pay war reparations to the uh, Vietnamese, and to this day they never have, we never have, and as a result, they kept our men. And uh, now I guess it would be uh, <clears throat> embarrassing for the Vietnamese to admit that they have them. It's, uh, it would be scandalous for the U.S. government to admit that they're still there. But they knew uh, they were still there who know that they're still there. So, so, so there's a cover-up going on uh, on both sides for the, all this time. Uh, and uh, over time, uh, various presidents thought that uh, uh, they just didn't want to get involved. And any time an underling or someone down the, uh, the line, a chain of command in um, the uh, Defense Department or whoever it might be, the, the uh, Central Intelligence Agency, uh, took it upon themselves to challenge that position and to declare that there were POWs left behind. Those people met with political uh, fallout and also sometimes death, as in the case of one former CIA director whose body was find, found floating in the Potomac River after he took a canoe ride. Unbelievable. And, of course, one of those returning uh, POWs back in the early 70s was Arizona Senator uh, John McCain, who, along with, I believe it was John Kerry, uh, held Senate hearings on the matter. Um, maybe when we come back, uh, Arnold, I'll just get you to, to, to sit tight. We'll come back on the other side and we'll discuss uh, how the family members of uh, POWs were, were treated during these hearings, in which okay. they're trying to determine whether or not there were uh, American POWs still languishing in POW camps in Vietnam and uh, Laos uh, nearly 40 years after the close of the Vietnam War. And uh, we'll also find out um, the remarkable story of how you found evidence uh, for these uh, POWs being there in the Bible, encrypted in the Bible. 
Bible Codes here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. My name is Richard Serrett. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM740. To reach Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Coming to you live from Pahrumpf, Nevada. That may mean some uh, something to uh, to some of you or many of you uh, fans of late night radio. In any event, uh, Arnold uh, Beezer is with us as we discuss uh, Bible codes. He is with Let Freedom Ring, and he is uh, really dedicated uh, a large part of his life to uh, uncovering the truth about uh, American POWs that remain behind in Vietnam, in Laos, forty years after the close of the Vietnam War. This is a clear case of a conspiracy and cover-up, if ever there was one. And, uh, uh, Arnold, the the Senate hearings that were chaired or co-chaired by, I believe it was Senator John McCain and John Kerry several years ago, tell me a little bit about that and what happened. Okay, but before that, uh, I just want to correct you. My last name is pronounced Beiser. You were close. Did I say Beezer? I'm sorry. My That's apologies. a common mistake. But anyway, other than that, um, before we get to the Senate Select Committee and how that happened, um, there was a congressman by the name of Bill Hendon and a fellow congressman, a freshman by the name of John LeBoltier of New York, and they were holding hearings about the POWs when um, the then director of the Defense Intelligence Agency, that's the DIA, was called to testify before Congress on June 25th, 1981. Um, supposedly that was, that was some eight years after all the POWs had uh, returned to the United States, everyone thought. Well, this um, fellow, Eugene Teague, who was an Air Force Brigadier General and was now the director of the uh, Defense Intelligence Agency, who was in the position to know what happened to all the POWs, um, he testified before Congress and before these two uh, congressmen that, uh, and he stunned the audience when, in an open public session, he said he was absolutely certain, he used those words, absolutely certain, that American POWs were still being held captive in Southeast Asia, and he called for a renewed effort by the Congress and the administration to get the prisoners home. And um, the congressmen were blown away, those two congressmen at least, by his testimony, um, and uh, they called for a special investigation um, of Congress into this particular matter. 
And as a result of that, <clears throat> partially as a result of that, um, um, there was this call for a Senate Select Committee to investigate. And um, <clears throat> I think in 1999, <clears throat> there was another fellow by the name of um, M- Colonel Millard Mike Peck. Um, and he was appointed to the head of the DIA's special office for the POWs and MIAs. And he did a special report investigating. He was also a Vietnam vet, so he had a vested interest in the uh, truth. And he came out and he told uh, uh, Congress and the world that um, he thought that um, the POWs also were left behind and abandoned, and that the uh, government had a mindset to debunk the truth. And um, that kind of shocked America, but the news media didn't give it much attention. Um, and after that, um, that's when the politicians appointed John Kerry to be chairman of the Senate Select Committee to investigate the POWs, and John McCain was also on the committee as well. Those two fellows were probably picked because they were both Vietnam veterans. One was supposedly a hero, John McCain. Uh, having been shot down in Vietnam and captured and made prisoner. Uh, John Kerry wasn't a hero. He was only there for about four months and got shot in the, maybe in the rear or something. Uh, somehow he got injured, and he was home pretty quick. And um, <clears throat> eventually, because of their positions and their uh, notoriety they got on that committee, uh, both of them got the nominations from their respective parties to run for president eventually. John Kerry ran for president on the Democratic Party, and John McCain uh, got rewarded by running for the presidency uh, of the Republican Party. Both lost, however, as we Arnold, know. How, how, in, uh, in your, how would you characterize John McCain's treatment of some of the family members of POWs who testified before that hearing? Well, they went into that hearing with a, uh, a mindset to debunk, just as Millard Peck, Colonel Peck, had uh, said that they... The, the government had that mindset, and they had um, made up their minds before they ever heard testimony from anyone that there was no, there were no POWs left behind. Um, John Kerry went over to Vietnam one time, and he came back, and he, you know, from his his uh, informational, you know, research tour, and came back with the conclusion that uh, there was only a tiny glimmer of hope that any were left behind alive, and. Both of them mistreated the uh, POW family members horribly. Uh, they cut them off. They uh, berated them in public. They berated them behind the scenes. And um, uh, the POW family men- members uh, were totally upset with uh, both of their handling of the, uh, of the investigation. Do you have any idea? Now, we're talking about... Uh... Again, 40 years, many of these soldiers, uh, their POWs would be, I'm guessing, late 60s into their 70s now. I mean, what kind of conditions would they be living under, do you think? Well, I represent Carol Herdlicka, who is one of the uh, POW family members who's very active before uh, Congress and in getting confidential uh, documents released from the government. Um, she had to hire lawyers to do it, file lawsuits, because the, the government was keeping all of this information classified, because had they released it, uh, everyone would know the truth. 
And actually, when they did release it, most of the important information was all blacked out and kept and classified top secret, so you couldn't see some of it. But enough of it was there to show that uh, there were POWs left behind and that um, some of them were alive, like Carol Herdlicka's husband. <clears throat> and um, Mrs. Herdlicka um, told me, and, and I attended some of the hearings in Washington with her, um, that she was uh, mistreated by Senator McCain, that he uh, used uh, improper language, he was rude to, the, to her and to the POW family members, he avoided them, uh, he basically didn't want to hear. Uh, he had his mind made up, and um, he was no hero in their mind. Uh, he was the son of an admiral uh, during the war of the uh, U.S. fleet, and he got special attention, they claimed, from the Vietnamese. He was treated like a king over there, and he wasn't mistreated at all uh, like some of the other POWs were. So he got special treatment, and um, some of the other POWs resented that. Um, somehow he got the, uh, the tag. He was a hero from the Vietnam War because he got shot down. But uh, if you ask the POW family members, they all voted against him when the election came. But but are these prisoners still languishing in in, in in cages? I mean, how, how do you think they, they, they're probably being treated or housed? Well, uh, originally they were tortured, and they were you know, kept uh, in solitary confinement and uh, mistreated, and some of them died in captivity. Um, the only ones that did return, uh, 571, they were healthy, and that, those are the, that, that's the reason why they were returned, because they were healthy and they could... Uh, um, be seen as such, and uh, hopefully the Vietnamese thought that um, they wouldn't. No one would find out that they really mistreated the POWs in violation of the Geneva Convention. Um, but right now, uh, those POWs that remain alive are, are in their late 60s or 70s, and um, they were moved around from place to place. Some of them were held in caves in Laos, uh, some in Vietnam in prisons. Uh, in horrible conditions, and um, then they were put out into the fields under guard to do farm work. Um, eventually, as years and years went by, uh, I'm told by some of the family members that they have information that uh, they were allowed to marry Vietnamese uh, locals um, out in the farm territory and to raise families, but they were still prisoners and not free to go. And by now, they're speaking fluent Vietnamese and probably have forgotten how to speak English, but they're, they're still hoping and praying that someone will come for them and bring them home. I can't imagine the feelings of betrayal they must be feeling. Uh, just, it must be absolutely devastating for them to think that their country turned their backs on them. That's, that's true. That's probably how they felt. When I went over there to Vietnam in 1994 with Muhammad Ali, uh, who agreed to go along with us to help us find answers to the whereabouts of some of the POWs and MIAs. We took along a couple of POW family members, one of whom was Carol Herdlicka, uh, wife of um, Colonel David Herdlicka, an Air Force pilot, who was shot down on uh, May 18, 1965. And we also took with us Albro Lundy III, son of Albro Lundy um, Jr., who was a pilot who was shot down uh, in Laos, uh, in um, December 24th, Christmas Eve, 1970. And uh, we went over there to explore um, what happened to their, their loved ones, uh, what happened to the other servicemen. We got some uh, 
information, but the Vietnamese uh, denied knowledge of any prisoners that were still alive in Vietnam. They did not speak for Laos. They called Laos a separate country, and they could not therefore speak for whether or not the POWs were over there being held captive against their will in that nation. Um, as we know, there was a secret war going on in Laos and Cambodia. Nixon bombed Cambodia and Laos, and there were military um, excursions into Laos on an ongoing basis. And uh, when and actually, Herdlicka and Lundy were both captured, shot down in Laos. And Carol Herdlicka asked me to go to Jerusalem, where there was a Russian correspondent who had been in Laos. Uh, in 1969, along with another um, Russian Pravda, um, that's a newspaper, co uh, co war correspondent. And I did go, and I found uh, Ivan Loboda, who had, was in his 80s at the time. He was living with his daughter in Jerusalem. He had emigrated from uh, the Soviet Union. He had no reason to lie. And he told me that he saw uh, David Herdlicka in fine condition in a cave in Laos, under guard with other American servicemen who were pilots being paraded by the Laotians and maybe some of the Vietnamese over there who were actually in control of the Laotians and um, that they were being kept captive. And um, so we know that some of them were alive in 1969. David Herdlicka was shot down in 1965 and the, the Defense Intelligence Agency declared him dead. Yet there was a photograph of him being marched away by a, a captive a captor uh, who had him under guard with a rifle. And he was also heard on the radio uh, in Vietnam, and I have all the documentation, including the, the newspaper report of the uh, interview with David Herdlicka as he was being interrogated by his captors in 1965. So he was alive after our government said he was dead and declared him dead, and we proved he was alive. Not only that, after I went and visited with uh, um, Ivan Laboda, in 1996 in Jerusalem, I came back with a signed statement from him that um, Herdlicka was alive years after he was supposedly dead. And the government had, this was in 1996, now the war had supposedly ended in 1973. Why didn't the government, who had all this information, or should have had that information, go out there and interview this guy himself? And they did, or themselves, and they didn't do it. I had to do it, a private citizen, on my own expense, go to Jerusalem, interview the man, get a sworn statement, take it back, send it to the, uh, to the uh, government. And I want to read you from my, my book, Let My People Go, which is free online at letfreedomringinc.com forward slash books, what the government wrote back to me uh, on behalf of uh, Carol Herdlicka. And this is astounding. <clears throat> This letter came uh, from the Defense Prisoner of War Missing in Action Office in Washington, D.C., and it's stamped June 28, 1996, and it was addressed to Miss Car Mrs. Carol Herdlicka, Conway Springs, Kansas. Dear Mrs. Herdlicka, I wanted to confirm, uh, but before I continue, I wanted to say it was written by Joe B. Harvey, Chief of Staff, Defense POW-MIA Office of the Defense Prisoner of War Missing in Action Office right. in Washington. It said, I wanted to confirm some important information which our Air Force Casualty Liaison and Family Support Officer Major David Moore relayed to you today by telephone. We have just received the initial results of an interview conducted in Israel of Mr. Ivan Laboda. 
As you know, Mr. Loboda and Ivan Shredorov say they traveled to Laos in 1969. Mr. Loboda had said that he was present during an interview of your husband, David Herdlicker, in the spring of 1969. He also reports that David appeared to be in good health at the time. Obviously, this is a significant report, and we are taking numerous steps to follow up on this information. We will provide you with details about our efforts as soon as we can. Although we do not normally release information about an ongoing investigation until it is complete, I wanted to give you a heads up that we had received this information. Additionally, Mr. Laboda advised us he has received your letter and is planning to send you a response very shortly. I assure you we will keep you apprised of further efforts. We will relay any and all information we learn about your husband as soon as possible. Sincerely, John B. Harvey, Chief of Staff. Well, Richard, we never heard back after that. Uh, if they did any investigation, we don't know anything about it. I don't. And I'm the one that went over and started the investigation before the government ever got involved. The only reason they went over there is to try to debunk what I had done and try to get uh, um, Ivan Laboda to change his story, to shake his story. Uh, but they couldn't do it, so they had a document that what he said was true and say that they were going to investigate further. But they never did that I know about or that Carol Hurdlicken knows about. And um, now he's one of those that are still on the last known alive list, but that's where he remains, and, and no one's doing anything to try to get him out of there. When we come back, I'm gonna, we're going to get into how you came to search the Bible codes for revelations about these these POWs, but as we head into a break, just very quickly, you went over there with Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, did he come back to the United States convinced, as you are, that those POWs are still there, still alive? Well, he went over there on the premise uh, that Albert Lundy, who he met at a concert that I promoted in Philadelphia for the benefit of the POWs in 1992, Albro had been on the plane with him back to Los Angeles after the concert. And he went over to Albro because he recognized him from the concert as one of the son's family members of a missing in action, a POW. And he said to Albro on the plane, he sat with him on the way back to Los Angeles, and he said, Albro, do you think your father's still alive? And Albro said, Muhammad, I have no reason to believe he's not. And Muhammad said, then let's go find him. And so we planned a trip, and I sponsored it, Let Freedom Ring. Inc. and uh, we brought the POWs and uh, we brought the POW family members over there and with Muhammad and while we were there um, it was pretty plain and pretty clear that uh, we weren't free to go where we wanted to go we always had to have a government minder minding our business and making sure we didn't stray off the beaten path that the government had set out for us um, they did answer our questions uh, but basically with um, platitudes and they also uh, circumvented the, the whole issue by saying that they would try to help um, the families get answers, but they never did. All right, and, I gotta, uh, gotta wait here for a break. We'll come back and uh, we'll get into the Bible codes. Arnold Beiser, Let Freedom Ring, author of Let My People Go, here on The Conspiracy Show. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Corporations, governments, and sometimes entire civilizations, what goes up must come down. And it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. 
welcome back. Arnold Beiser is uh, with us. He's a trial litigator, president of the nonprofit organization Let Freedom Ring. He's an evangelist, an author, and as you are about to discover, a Bible history expert, Bible code researcher. We're talking about the uh, American POWs uh, that remain left behind, languishing in Vietnam and Laos to this very day, some 40 years after the war. So uh, for those who uh, believe that the Vietnam War was over in 1973, tell that to the surviving family members of those POWs that are still there. And keep in mind, by all accounts, it, uh, and I have no reason to doubt this, the U.S. government is aware of this. They've turned their backs. It's a very sorry chapter, a very sorry chapter indeed. Uh, Arnold, how did you um, decide to search in the Bible codes for revelations about these, these POWs? Well, there's a proverb, it's chapter 25, verse 2 in the Bible, and it says, it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings to search out a matter. And knowing that, um, I knew that as a lawyer, uh, that we'd have to prove to the American public that there were POWs still alive, even after all this time. It's been 46 years since uh, David Herdlicker was captured, and I still believe he's alive. Um, and so... What I started to do is I tried to first deal with facts and go into the facts such as the satellite imaging. I'm going to get to the Bible code in a minute. That, that's sort of a backup that I did, uh, the backup research to support my position. Uh, but I first, as a lawyer, I looked at the satellite imaging reports and, um, that the government had, and we got access to it through uh, Freedom of Information. And uh, such things as uh, Major Henry Sirex, um, it was shot down in 1972. He stamped into a field in um, uh, Vietnam his name, S-E-R-E-X, and his prisoner of war authenticator number, 72-TA-88. I think 72 stands for the year he was shot down. It's a code number that pilots use to send signals that are seen from the air, the satellite imaging of photographing by airplanes so they can try to be, get rescued. And... Um, this was stamped in a prison compound at Dong Vai Prison, um, and uh, the government knew about this. Then there was another one, GX2527. They saw that in the field from the air, from photographs. That was Lieutenant Peter Mathis's M-A-T-T-H-E-S. Uh, he was shot down, uh, and he stomped his authenticator into uh, a field. Then there was another one, TH1973. That was Thomas Hart. And uh, he stamped his name, uh, his initials rather, T-H, and the year he was shot down in, in a field so that it could be seen. And, it, and the letters are so big, you can see it from miles in space. Um, there was another one, uh, a famous one, USA, was stamped in the fields of Sam Nua in 1988. It wasn't discovered till 1992, but the photographs were in the possession of the government, so they knew about it for four years and did nothing about it. Um, alongside of it was a, uh, a K, the signal K, which is a walking K. It's a PO dress, uh, POW distress signal by a pilot. And um, that wasn't in the field, actually. That was on the roof uh, tiles of a prison uh, stamped in Morse code, the, uh, the walking K. So there were all of these things. Um, the USA was 12 feet high, the letters. And the government tried to debunk these things, saying that a local villager, just like the, the uh, postage stamp he saw on an envelope that had USA on it, 
and he tried to stomp it in the fields, which is totally ridiculous. I mean, why would he stomp it 12 feet high in the fields? And um, all of these things were kind of debunked by the Senate Select Committee uh, of Kerry and, and McCain. Uh, they just looked, overlooked it completely. They didn't want to hear about it. Then there were live sighting reports. There were, there were thousands of live sighting reports, maybe 10,000 of POWs, such as David Herdlicka, all the way up through the 1990s. Uh, by villagers that had left Vietnam and come to America to be, um, you know, new citizens over here, and they finally were free to say what they wanted to in a free country. Whereas over there, they told anybody about POWs, they'd be shot. So, uh, and then there were the Hanoi archives that uh, that uh, uh, were made available after the war. Um, the archives showed photographs of captured, injured, or deceased. Um, POWs, and so we got to get more information. Uh, I even purchased while I was there for $10,000 uh, a whole bunch of negatives, hundreds and hundreds of negatives and photographs of pilots that were either shot down, dead or alive, or captured. You could see them marching off. And um, the fact is, given the fact that I had this documentation, uh, and one other person also got another set of photographs. Uh, this was made public, but it wasn't a big deal because the news media refused to cover all of this stuff for whatever reasons, I don't know, maybe to protect the government. But uh, the fact that the, the, there were these photographs and negatives proved that the Vietnamese knew every single pilot that was shot down, what became of him, uh, where he was, and whether he was dead or alive, and maintained documentation on it. Um, yet our government as a ruse, just went over there and spent millions of taxpayers' dollars digging up crash sites, you know, 30 years after the war was over, looking for remains. When, we knew, when, when the government knew, and so did the Vietnamese government, that they had all the documentation proving what happened to these pilots. They were either captured alive and brought to prison, where they remain today, or they died in prison, or they died as a result of their injuries when they were shot down. But, so the fact is that we knew these facts. And, uh, of course, then you have Ivan Laboda, an eyewitness, who had seen David Herdlicka after our own government said he was dead when he wasn't. Then we had um, CIA uh, director William Casey back in 1986. And William Casey, he said, everyone knows they're there, but there's no groundswell of support for getting them out. What do you want, another hostage crisis? Certainly you're not suggesting we pay for them. Those were his exact words, the CIA director in 1986, admitting uh. that the POWs were left behind. 1996, another CIA director, William Colby, who was director of CIA during the Vietnam War years, who obviously had knowledge uh, because he served during, during the Vietnam War era, he was going to make a speech in Texas and probably reveal the whole truth about the POW uh, abandonment when they found him, uh, an excellent canoeist, by the way, uh, outdoor sportsman, they found him drowned in the Potomac River, oh, which there you go. I, I don't think has very big currents or, or waves. And they found him face down floating in the river, and a lot of people think he was murdered by our own government to keep him quiet. So, well, you, always, you know, you're talking about uh, a Democratic uh, presidential administrations, Republicans, nobody's hands are clean in this. And so... If this gets out, huge ramifications. I mean, this is the this this scandal um, would make Watergate look like a walk in the park. Absolutely, and Henry Kissinger is involved up to his ears in the scandal because he knew what was going on. 
Then there was a memorandum from Lawrence Eagleburger to then-Secretary of Defense Elliot Richardson on March 28, 73. He recommended diplomatic and military steps, if the diplomacy failed, to attack Laos by airstrikes to get release of the POWs in Laos. These are all documents. Everybody knows about it. And also there was a meeting in the White House during the Reagan administration. Reagan wanted to do something to go in and try to, rec- uh, to rescue some of these POWs and, and the other people that were in attendance uh, in, in his cabinet rejected it because they thought it was too political and, uh, you know, um, his hands were tied. So all right. these things are all known. They're facts. I'm not making them up. And then I decided, well, I'm a Bible researcher. I know a little bit about the Bible code. I'm going to see if I can find any evidence of the POWs being alive by searching the Bible code. Okay, before I, you get, I didn't know what the you get that evidence to us, uh, Arnold, let's take another time out. Okay. When we come back, we're going to have you roll through the evidence found encrypted in the Old Testament evidence that these POWs are there. And this is going to knock your socks off, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned. We'll open up the phone lines as well. If you'd like to get in on the conversation, we'd love to have you. 416-360-0740. And toll-free from Maine to Minnesota and Thunder Bay, Ontario to the Carolinas, 866-740-4740. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak to Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Coming to you live from Pahrump, Nevada. Live from Death Valley, no less, as we uh, remain in production on uh, season two of the television show, traveling with my uh, my crew, which has really become a sort of extended family on the road, the Murray fam- family. Uh, in fact, uh, director Jalal, uh, daughter Hannah, and uh, son Natter, very capable young camera people and uh, really delightful to travel with. And... Um, we uh, are making our way across the southwestern United States, interviewing some amazing people, some fascinating people, many stories to tell. Uh, also, just a heads up, around 12.30 Eastern, we'll uh, throw the lines wide open and we'll do some open lines and uh, we can swap some tales. Right now, Arnold Beiser stays with us from Let Freedom Ring, the author of Let My People Go, talking about the fate of those American POWs left behind in Vietnam and Laos tremendous amount of evidence to suggest that they are still alive today and they have been betrayed how else can you can't you can't varnish uh, the truth uh, it they have simply been betrayed uh, by 
a number of uh, complicitous uh, U.S. administrations that know they're there, know they're alive, and refuse to recognize that fact for political reasons. Imagine being a, a family member of one of those POWs, knowing they're still alive and uh, living in perhaps deplorable conditions for 40 years, and your government, your government, who has sworn to defend them, knows about it and refuses to do anything about it. Absolutely shameful. Uh, Arnold, uh, let's, let's talk about um, what happened when, first of all, your approach. You had this that documentation, they were alive. Now you're putting on your Bible... Uh, code researcher had. How did you approach this? Well, I knew that uh, having read the Bible Code book by Michael Drosden, um, that the Bible Code was true because it had been authenticated by uh, famous and renowned, world-renowned mathematicians like uh, Eliyahu Rips um, from the Hebrew um, University, and uh, Herbert Gans was a statistician and also um, a, a, a mathematician, and also Yale and Harvard uh, uh, mathematicians uh, had had um, verified that the Bible code was true and accurate, not a hoax. And um, with this knowledge and having read um, about the Bible code, I got the Bible code programs, learned how to use them myself, which wasn't too difficult in, in, the, in those days. Uh, now it's much more sophisticated, and you can learn a lot more things than, than the way I went about it. Um, using uh, sort of the preliminary Bible code uh, uh, software that I had at the time. Well, I decided to um, think about where God would encrypt uh, information in the Bible about prisoners of war, and um, knowing that uh, the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, is all about bondage, and being set free, it's all about freedom, being set free from bondage, whether it's physical bondage in Egypt, when Moses delivered, uh, he was the great deliverer, delivered the Hebrews from bondage in Egypt, uh, and he set the captives free. Uh, when Jesus came uh, upon the scene as the Messiah, as I believe he is, um, he set the captives free from the spiritual bondage uh, of sin. And um, so the Bible's all about um, freedom and setting, being set free. Um, prisoners being set free. So I, I figured the best place to look would be in the book of Exodus, which was all about the uh, Israelites being uh, um, set free from the bondage and slavery in Egypt and going through the Red Sea uh, and Pharaoh's army pursuing them and being drowned in the Red Sea. So I figured uh, that would be the place to look. So I coded the, um, the uh, or I commanded the software to search the Bible in the book of Exodus, that's the first place I looked, uh, for any references, and I picked out key words, and the key words that I commanded the search uh, were the names of two POWs in particular, Albro Lundy, David Herdlicka. I also put in Vietnam, war, prisoner, abandoned, because they were abandoned, um, American, they're American, pilots, I put the word pilots in, Bird flu, because I knew the bird flu had struck uh, Vietnam first and then spread. It was the avian flu, and it attacked uh, animals, domesticated animals, like chickens and cattle. And I knew that that was divine, in my opinion, it was divine retribution 
uh, by God upon the Vietnamese for not letting the people go, the POWs go, just like Pharaoh was punished with plagues, ten plagues, for not letting the uh, Israelites go. So that was my theory. So I, I put in bird flu. I put in disease, because bird flu is disease, avian, the name of the bird flu, servicemen, alive, because I believe that we're searching for live POWs, I put imprisonment. I knew they were imprisoned in Laos from the information I had, so I put Laos in there. I put hidden, because they were hidden, uh, in prison, and in caves, because we knew that David Herdlicker was in a cave being held prisoner, where you can't see through uh, caves with satellites, and that's why they kept him in caves. Um, during the day, at, at night, they let them out, and they, they uh, worked the fields at night. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. All right, so I put all these words in there, and lo and behold, I found them all coded in the book of Exodus, in the section, the chapters, 14 through uh, the end of 16. Those are the chapters that deal with the Hebrews um, escaping from, well, actually being let go uh, at first by the Pharaoh, and then pursued by Pharaoh when he changed his mind and his heart was hardened by God, and he went after them to try to uh, kill them and wipe them out before they got away. And uh, so I figured that would be the place to look, and sure enough, that's where the, the, um, the words, search words all came up. Uh, and even added a search word, forget-me-not. Forget-me-not is the name of an organization that existed uh, back in, in the, the day uh, when POW organizations were trying to help get the POWs set free. One was called the National Forget-me-not Association. So I used the word forget-me-not because that's what the prisoners would have wanted for us not to forget them. I put that in there, uh, and I found that one, too. And if you're going to be amazed where I found these things. Um, they're all coded there, and I use the Hebrew word for forget-me-not, which is Zikrini, and uh, I'm going to turn to that page. It's on 56 in my book, and I'm just going to tell you what it says there. All right? Um, here we are. Um We've all seen at one time or another, I'm just going to read this, paraphrase it here, the black flag flying in front of our civic buildings with the head of the POW bowed in silhouette form in front of a prison guard tower. These POW flags flying symbolically in front of our public buildings and schools serve as a constant reminder that we must not forget the plight of the men who proudly serve their country but who have not yet returned from war. The motto inscribed on many of these flags reads, Forget Me Not. Uh, okay, so... You're finding all of these references, all of these names, uh, in the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, yes, and in fact, it, it's in the book of Exodus, um, along next to the word American prisoner, um, and they're encoded where it talks about uh, prisoners being held captive uh, and setting the captives free in the Bible. All right. Let's so they're, they're not we only want, we, that's the difference between um, those skeptics that claim that the Bible code is no different than Moby Dick, that the, using the Bible to find a code encrypted is no different than using uh, Moby Dick, the book, or War and Peace, and that you can find some of these codes uh, in those books too. And the fact is that you may be able, in a big, long book like War and Peace, be able to find a word that you're searching for coded by skip skipping certain spaces, and it'll spell that word in a, in a code sequence, but that's purely by chance. The fact the Bible was designed by an intelligent mind, that's God, 
and and given to the prophets to write uh, is proven that that this is uh, supernatural uh, in that the words that you search for are found not randomly but associated with the book of Exodus, which has to deal with um, the prisoners being set free and captives being set free from bondage, and not only that, in specific verses of Scripture that deal with uh, prisoners and um, uh, slavery and being set free miraculously. So in other that words, can't happen in War and Peace messages. or in Moby Dick, but it does happen in the Bible all the time. In other words, the encrypted messages are in direct reference or, or in context with the surface text in which they are found. Exactly. And, and that's uh, where, more where than you, a coincidence, that's a God incidence. There you go. Let's uh, take a couple of calls here. Daryl, Daryl, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Where are you calling from, my friend? I'm calling from Johnstown, New York. Uh, good, good evening, gentlemen. Well, uh, I'm a multiple tour Vietnam combat veteran, and I was always out in the field in the area that I was in. And the villages were off limits to us, but I used to sneak in anyway. And I have noticed Americans, other Americans in there, possibly, you know, at times being chased by MPs. It wasn't me myself. <clears throat> and I, you know, I was told by the villagers themselves that they, who protected these soldiers, that they were deserters. And I knew that when the war ended, whether if these guys weren't caught, they were abandoned there. They were left there. And I wonder, you know, after years later, when we became a trading partner with Vietnam, instead of us getting those soldiers back and all those prisoners back, I wonder if our country is not paying Vietnam to keep this under wraps. Uh, I, I think, if you want me to answer that question, I think uh, they are being paid um, uh, some way or another uh, or benefited in either foreign aid or whatever it might be. Only our government knows what's going on. But the uh, POWs that were left behind are not, were not deserters. They were left behind against their will. They wanted to be set free, but they weren't allowed to be set free. And uh, uh, they were under guard and still are under guard. And while their conditions are probably a lot better than they uh, were uh, at the beginning, uh, they're still not free to leave. Yes. The ones that I saw, though, I don't think really wanted to stay there either, though, but they were doomed from the beginning. It's, it's very sad to me, you know. All right, Daly from uh, Johnstown, New York. Thank you very much for the call. Hope you'll call again. Thank you. So, uh, we'll get back to the Bible codes here in a minute, but Daly raised a, a good point, Arnold. And uh, it, It's almost now too late, because even if the U.S. government were to say, okay, let's bring them home, how do they explain 40 years of silence? Well, you know, I have a theory, and the POW members have a theory, that they're going to be found somewhere outside the jurisdiction of the Vietnamese, so the Vietnamese can save face. Uh, they may be found somewhere else and then uh, come back and, and, and be set free. Um, that's one possibility. Um, of course, God is in control, and if God wants them to be set free, they're going to be set free, and they're going to come home, and I believe that's going to happen. Um, I believe it's going to happen very soon, and uh, there's going to be a miracle that happens, and they're going to come home. I don't know how many of them are left, but I'm hoping that uh, uh, a good number of them come home and tell their stories. So you found the actual names of these uh, POWs encoded in Exodus. I mean, what... Take me back to that moment when you entered their names into the uh, the Bible Code software, and it came back. How did you react? 
Well, you know, I wasn't shocked because I expected to find them there. But when I did find them, I was certainly elated. And, uh, you know, I didn't find them just once. I found them multiple times, both forward and reverse. In other words, the names, uh, if you're reading Hebrew, you read from right to left, English left to right. Uh, I found them both ways, uh, and sometimes the same codes. And then um, I also found the words imprisonment and laos, of this, with the same code, same skip code, so you would find, uh, um, which meant they were imprisoned in Laos and they had the same skip code, uh, which which is just too coincidental. <laughs> you know, you know, it was just too amazing because it was saying that you know this is no not by chance. They're imprisoned in Laos. You're right, and. We- um, we should take a few minutes. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll grab a quick call here. Then, uh, then we'll take a couple of minutes and explain for those. I mean, we've talked about Bible codes many times on the show, but for those who are new to the program, we'll just take a few minutes to explain how equidistant letter spacing works and 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 what you mean by a you know the skip. Uh, but first, let's welcome Eric from Michigan to the Conspiracy Show here on AM seven forty. Hello, Eric. Is Eric still there? Eric, going once. Eric, are you there? Twice, three times. Okay, uh, Arnold. The um, the uh, the methodology behind uh, Bible codes, the equidistant letter spacing. Just explain that briefly. All right. The way it works um, is that first of all, I, I look for the letters in Hebrew. There's a f- program now where you can look for the letters in English. Um, so. For example, there's an author by the name of um, Grant Jeffrey. He's on TV all the time on the, his own program. Uh, he wrote the book, The Handwriting of God, which dealt with the Bible Code. And um, he quoted uh, another book by Yaakov Ramsdell, um, who was searching for, by hand, not by using computer. a computer. He was searching for um, information to prove Jesus was the Messiah, the, the Jewish Messiah of Israel. And um, he looked into Isaiah chapter 53, and I'm giving that as an example. And he was searching for the name of Yeshua using a skip code. Now, what what we mean by a skip code is you take the name, which Yeshua in Hebrew is four Hebrew letters, Yad, Shin, Vav, and Ayin. So you take those four letters, and you pick a a, a space uh, interval, um, depending on the size of the name, but there's four letters here. And if you want to find the four letters to see if they're coded someplace in a paragraph in Hebrew, in the Masoretic text, um, you tell the computer to search for the first letter, which is Yod, all right, which would be equivalent of Y in Yeshua, all right? So, so you put the first letter in, and then it searches. It searches from there. Uh, if you pick a, a, a sequence of maybe an uh, interval of 500 letters, It'll search up to, from 1 to 500 looking for the next letter. The next letter in the name of Yeshua is a shin, which is equivalent to uh, an S sound. And Yeshua would be Y-S, you see, uh, in English. So it searches in an interval, and then it comes and finds the, the shin, and it's found it in this case in, the, in, the, in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10, at an interval of 20 letter spaces. So then it keeps on searching, looks for the next letter in the name of Yeshua in Hebrew, and it's above, and it finds it at 20, um, 20 interval again. Then it searches again for the final letter, and it finds it at 20, and uh, that's the ion, and then it found the name of Yeshua coded in the, 
uh, chapter 53 of Isaiah, which dealt with the suffering servant uh, being crucified and punished uh, for the sins of the people, the Messiah. Not only did it find Yeshua's name, Jesus' name there in Isaiah chapter 53, but it also it got, it went on and looked for the next letter, and it came and found uh, uh, Shemi, which in Hebrew is my name. It means So it found the name of Yeshua, but it also found Yeshua is my name, all at an equal distant letter spacing of 20 letters. So every 20 letters you would get one letter, and it spelled Yeshua is my name, coded secret supernaturally right there to say that this chapter was talking about Yeshua, and that's his name, and he's the Messiah of Israel. And uh, we should point out, it's, think of it sort of a giant word scramble. These codes, these words, uh, they can be uh, found reading uh, right to left, left from right, or vertically, uh, diagonally. Uh, so, the, but I'm guessing, though, the, Arnold, the, the, the lower the skip, in other words, the interval between the letters that spell out the word, the lower the skip, obviously, the, the more imp- imp- impressive. If you're finding a word that occurs and the skip sequence is 400 letters, uh, to me, that's far less impressive than finding a code that, that where the skip is, say, five letters. Well, I think that's true, but also the name Herdlicka was found, um, at, well, it was found at various le- levels, but also was found at uh, 7,777, so you get four sevens there. Seven is God's number, and the place it was found had to do, with, in that particular case, with prisoners being set free, and that was in the book of Zechariah. And, and Zechariah, in that particular paragraph, were that, um, you, see, you see, you know, maybe it's, a, maybe it's several pages altogether in, in, in not one, in one little verse of Scripture, but it's still there, and it's that particular paragraph or that particular chapter or even portion of a chapter, still talking about setting the captives free and, and prisoners, uh, and it wasn't wasn't Zechariah. So, so it, 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 you're right. It, the lower the uh, the uh, the number, the more um, amazing it is, you could say. Uh, but it's still there's there's it can appear many times, uh, and even at larger numbers. All right, Arnold, uh, sit tight. We'll. Uh take a time out. We'll come back. We'll get to more calls. If you'd like to join the conversation, again, the number is 416-360-0740. Perhaps uh, you've, uh, you, you own a copy of uh, Bible Code software. You've you found some interesting codes yourself. We'd love to hear about it. Also, would love you to weigh in on the whole uh, fact that there are POWs, U.S. POWs, still languishing in Vietnam and Laos. What do you think of that? 416-360-0740, toll-free from just about anywhere, 866-740-4740. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Which passages of Scripture should guide our public policy? Should we go with uh, Leviticus, which uh, suggests slavery is okay? Or we could go uh, with uh, Deuteronomy, which suggests stoning your child if he strays from the faith? Or should we just stick to the Sermon on the Mount? A passage that is so radical that it's doubtful that our own Defense Department would survive its application. Folks haven't been reading the Bible. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. 
The Bible is the world's perennial bestseller, with close on a hundred million new copies printed each year. To trace its lineage is to embark on an extraordinary journey. But, understandably, it is a quest not without controversy. For some of our deepest and most passionate convictions are intertwined with this book, held to be sacred by so many. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Well, there are a lot of great things about Pahrumpf, Nevada, but the Internet connection, unfortunately, is not um, one of them. Uh, we started out the program um, trying to do it by, by Skype, but uh, uh, that didn't last too long, so we're delivering this the good old-fashioned way via the telephone. And, um, however, my email connection is uh, now gone. So, Griffin, back in studio, if there's... Um, he was going to communicate with me via the email. If there's any calls waiting to come on air, um, I will take one now. Hello, caller. Are you there? Yes, hi. Can you hear me? I can. And who's this? My name's Barry. I'm calling from Osaka, Japan. Ah, how are you listening to us? I'm streaming you. Excellent. Well, welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. I'm from Mississauga. Ah, okay. Welcome. Yeah, Your question you. or comment for Arnold Beiser? Uh, one quick question for Arnold. You talked about American POWs. Do you think there's any POWs from other nations that were involved in the Vietnam War? Probably there is, but I, I, I didn't. Um, I haven't been representing any other country, so I assume there are. But you know, most of them are probably Americans, and um, I haven't heard any um, about any uh, others in all of my years. So I can't say that there aren't. But uh, that's a good question. Yeah, there were a lot of countries somebody. involved in the Vietnam War. Yeah, from the Vietnam War. You know, in fact, you know, it's funny, Barry, that you just mentioned American, because I'm on the page now, and during the break, I was going to talk about the word American and how I discovered that and where I discovered it. And um, I discovered, I, I put in American because, you know, the, the Bible is talking in the book of Exodus about Israelites being captives and being prisoners. And I, I wanted to be able to prove that there, that God supernaturally encoded the word American where he's talking about Israelites being uh, held captive in, in the book of Exodus. And I found it there. I found it in Exodus chapter 34. And uh, the words are American. It's uh, Aleph, Mem, Resh, Yad, uh, Kaf, and Nun. That spells American. And I found it there uh, next to the word prisoner. Um, but what was the most amazing is that I also found American coded in a, a code of 24. And that was in the book of Exodus chapter 8. Um, verse 28 through chapter 9, verse 3. So it spread uh, tw 24 letters into the next chapter. And in that chapter, here's what it says. It says, in Exodus, it says, And Pharaoh said, I will let you go. Let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully any more uh, in not letting the people go. And Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also, neither would he let the people go. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh and tell him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go, and will hold them captive still, um, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon everything. There shall be a very grievous moraine. I didn't know what the word moraine meant, but it means disease. 
It means disease that affects domestic cattle, and that's what what's happened to the Egyptians. God sent a plague because Pharaoh hardened his heart and wouldn't let the people go. So I found American where it says in the book of Exodus, let my people go, and if you don't, I'm going to put a plague on you. And he put a plague on the Egyptian cattle, and none of the Israeli cattle was affected. Now, that's how I found bird flu, because I figured bird flu would be in the same area, and sure enough, bird flu hit, uh, uh, affected Vietnam first before it went any around the world, and uh, the chickens, in particular, domestic poultry in Vietnam were all killed, and uh, they had to burn them, and if you remember, that's what happened. Uh, and God was punishing the uh, Vietnamese for not letting his people go. And I just think the whole thing is amazing. And uh, I also even found the word avion coded in the same place, all in Exodus, um, uh, in the same area. That's amazing. Let the skeptics try and rule that a coincidence or some random happenstance, uh, Arnold Weiser. Right. Thanks for the uh, call from Osaka, Japan, uh, uh, Barry. Uh, how, are you still there? Is Barry still there? I thought we might get an update uh, from him on the uh, the situation there after the uh, the horrible situation in Fukushima Fukushima uh, nuclear plant. However, um, do we have another call waiting, uh, Griffin, my good man? Hello. Hello, caller. Yes. And your name? Arthur. Hello, Arthur. Go ahead. Your question, comment for anyway, Arnold most Weiser. People think God is dealing with nations as he used to in biblical times, but he's not. One reason is very simple. If God was in charge. There would be no suffering, no death. It would be like the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve to be young and happy forever, but that will happen in time. But as of now, it says Satan is the god of this world because he rebelled against God. He said, I can turn all people away from you. I want to worship. When Christ says, my kingdom is no part of this world, we can pay, as he also says, to pay Caesar back the things that belong to Caesar, like taxes, and whatever. Okay, so Arthur, thank you. If I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that uh, these these Bible codes uh, commenting on current affairs, you don't buy into this because you're saying that God is sort of incommunicado with us now. Satan's in charge. Is that the gist of it? I don't know if Arthur's still there. Uh, Arnold, did you want to comment on that? Yes, I can. Uh, I sort of got the impression that he was saying that Bible codes aren't accurately aren't true because why would God allow suffering, and why wouldn't the POWs be set free? And the answer is really simple. God, God is in control, but he allows people, uh, his creation, to make choices to choose to do good or to do evil. Even Moses said that we had the choice to do good or to do evil. And there is evil in the world, and Satan is the god of this world, so he's right on that point, your caller. And as a result, there are powers and principalities uh, behind those people that cause wars, like the Vietnamese uh, did at that point in time, and uh, there's the good guys and the bad guys. But uh, God allows things to happen, but He He does intervene uh, on certain occasions, um, and uh, He does want justice. And eventually, everybody's going to be judged for what they do and um, and for their faith, whether it's in in, in the, the Jewish Messiah of Israel or not. Um, so. Um, while God is overall in control and has a plan, a master plan, and his plan will come to pass, he did supernaturally code the future in advance. It's history. is his story written in advance. It's written in the Bible. You can find it if you look for it, but you have to read the Bible. And if you don't, you won't find it. 
And Moses even said, inquire, make search, and ask diligently and see if the thing be certain. A lot of people don't read the Bible, they don't even open it. But if you do open it, you're going to find it's true, and Jesus said it was true, and that not one word should be changed by man, um, not one yod or tittle, not one jot or tittle, which means not even the tiniest little thing should be changed, because God made the Bible written by the prophets and uh, by Moses, who wrote the law, the first five books of the Bible, so that it could be, the code could be found in there. And if man tinkered with the, uh, the writing of the Bible, um, then the code wouldn't work. So there is a code, it's supernatural, and the history is written in advance, and it's up to us. We can change the future, but God knows the beginning from the end, and uh, whether we do or not, that's up to us. Uh, Arnold, would you caution people from trying to use Bible code software and to use the Bible codes to predict future events? I mean, is that a bad idea? Um, I, I only use it to, to, to confirm um, the fact that God wrote history in advance. And, uh, you know, um, I, I look at it to, to discover uh, things that were written thousands of years ago that have come to pass and just to marvel at the fact that God... God sort of put us on notice that these things were going to happen. We could find them. It took until the computer age to be able to find them. But now that we're able to find them, at least we can be forewarned um, that um, certain things are possible uh, to happen. Um, it's really up to us if we want to change them. I think we can change them, but um, whether we do or not, that's, that's yet to be seen. I think there's many... Many things ahead for us in the future, uh, a time of uh, judgment on the earth, and uh, unfortunately uh, an atomic holocaust that's, that's, that's uh, prophesied to happen. Whether we can avoid it, um, we have to make those decisions as, as, as human beings in our relationships to each other and to our God, and if we don't, we're going to suffer the consequences. It's very telling. You just said that um, these Bible codes, they've been in there from, you know, since the Bible was dictated to various prophets and so forth, and yet they weren't revealed to us until the computer age. What do you think the significance of that is? Well, you know, Isaac Newton thought there was a Bible code, so he was looking for it, so he knew, he knew that, that it was in there. The Hebrew sages also knew there was a Bible code, and they were searching for it long, long before there was a computer. And uh, a man named Wise Mandel, during the Holocaust, uh, after the Holocaust, he found it using um, manual, uh, uh, you know, efforts. He did it without a computer, and he found the code. And he was sort of the beginning of the, the modern-day Bible code researchers. And then um, the mathematicians using the, uh, um, the Bible code uh, software uh, that they developed, um, Harold Gans and then Eliyahu Rips and the others, they sort of uh, took it to a next level. So I think it was meant for our time because we're in the last days we're living. That's what I believe. And... Uh, um, we're, we're the generation that Jesus talked about when he said one generation will see all of the signs of the time of his coming come to pass and the signs of the end. And he meant the end of the age. There's going to be a messianic age of a thousand years where the Messiah is going to be ruling on the throne of God in Jerusalem. So we have a lot of things to look forward to, and I think God is letting us know that this generation has got to snap to it and start uh, looking into the Bible and looking into their hearts and looking for the truth. Why, why do you suppose the Bible codes are found mainly uh, in, in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible? Why not in, in the New Testament? 
Well, uh, the, the Bible, the Masoretic text is written in Hebrew, and God, uh, Jesus spoke in Hebrew, you know, he spoke in Greek too, and Aramaic, but, but Hebrew is the language of the Hebrews, and so I believe he, he coded it in the language that they were writing at the time. And it was written thousands of years ago on scrolls and kept, and, and by the way, the rabbis today, when they, they copy a Torah, they copy it meticulously. If they make one mistake, they start over again from scratch on a new Torah. So it's very important to get the, uh, you know, the script right, because if you don't, the Bible code gets, uh, you know, thrown off. And I think that was one of the reasons God did it that way. Um, now, when Greek came along, um, I understand, and I, I haven't looked into it, but I know that the New Testament, um, they found some Bible code in the New Testament, too, which was Greek. Oh, interesting. So... And it's not beyond God to be able to have codes in Greek and codes in any language you want, or in English. Now, when God dictated the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, to Moses, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but there were no spaces in between the letters, is that correct? Right. Does that change? Because when when you now look at the 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 Old Testament, there are spaces and commas in there, or I'm just wondering... Yeah, but you don't count change. the spaces or the commas, you count the letters. Okay, so that does not change the equation. Oh, no. Fascinating. What What else? I mean, is it fair to say that that every event, every individual that has lived or will ever live, is perhaps encrypted in the Bible somewhere? I believe it. You know why? I looked for my own name in Hebrew, and I found it. And you know where it was coded? I found it. I did it in front of a friend of mine while I was in Las Vegas. And I just told her about the Bible, and then I said, let's search for my name, you know, using the Bible code. So we did. You know where it came up? Under the part that had to do with the Lost Tribes of Israel. And the Lost Tribes of Israel is my specialty, what I'm most interested in, in proving that the Lost Tribes of Israel, the ten Lost Tribes, are not the Jews. The Jews are one tribe, the tribe of Judah, that went back to the land along with the tribe of Levi, who was along with, with, with the Jews. They were the priests, and they went back in, in 1948, and they reestablished the land, the, the nation of Israel. But the Lost Tribes have never returned, and the rabbis, the chief rabbi of the British Empire, had said the Lost Tribes will eventually come back to reunite uh, with the Jews and appoint themselves one king, the king of kings and lord of lords, in the last days. And um, Ezekiel says the same thing in Ezekiel chapter 37. The Lost Tribes of Israel are the United States and Britain, and the Western European nations that are the Anglo-Saxon nations. They're the lost tribes of Israel. They're the brothers to the Jews, the uh, sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they're just different tribes. And so here I am, knowing all this information, did a study on it, wrote a book on it, called If You Don't Ask, You'll Never Know. And sure enough, my name was coded next to uh, um, the place talking about the lost tribes of Israel. So to answer your question, I think we're all in the Bible. It, uh, it it gives a whole new meaning to uh, you know that 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 uh, trend to Google oneself. I mean, uh, that's you're going to start a new trend. Bible code yourself. <laughs> right. Well, Arnold, it's been a real delight. Listen, leave us with a website, and uh, how can people get a hold of Let My People Go? Let My People Go. You can get it at um, the Let Let Freedom Ring Inc. Don't forget to put the ink in there. It's all one. One word, let freedom ring inc, inc dot com, uh, as differentiated from just let freedom ring, ring dot com. So it's let freedom ring inc dot com. Just look for books, click on books, 
and you'll see a new book coming out called Saved by the Bell. It's about Muhammad Ali and his trip to Vietnam and many other things about his life that they are amazing, uh, never told before stories uh, and great pictures. But the Let Freedom Ring, uh, Let My People Go book uh, is there for free uh, for anyone that wants it. You can download it, and it's really good reading and amazing stuff, and you can get it right there. Arnold? A real pleasure. Good, great, good, good talking to you again. Thank you for tonight. Thanks, Richard, for having me. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Arnold Beiser. And uh, if you are fascinated by that conversation, you'll uh, be happy to know that season two of the Conspiracy Television program, uh, we're dedicating an entire episode to Bible codes. Arnold is featured in that, as well as uh, some other Bible code researchers. That, uh, of course, kicks off season two. September 28th. That's a Monday, September 28th on Vision TV. All right, we'll take a time out. When we come back, we'll throw open the phone lines, and you can reach out to me live from Pahrump, Nevada, and discuss just about anything you'd like, as long, of course, as it has to do with uh, what we've discussed on the program, and that's the conspiracies, deep politics, political subterfuge, the the secret machinations of, of world leaders, uh, the... Uh, the elites and their efforts to stage manage events backstage in the global theater. We can talk paranormal, supernatural, UFOs. I've got a tale or two to swap with you myself. Phone lines open at 416-360-740. That's from Toronto, 416-360-0740. And toll free from out of town, 866-740-4740. The Torah itself never exactly claims that Moses wrote all of it. There's a section that says Moses wrote down these words, but it never says, and all the other words in this book. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Afraid of the Dark, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. Greetings from Death Valley and the Pahrump of Nevada. Landed in the Fort Worth, Dallas, Texas on Tuesday. It's been um, pretty much the whole trip, around 105, 106 degrees. When we were in uh, southern Texas, but sort of climbing in elevation, moving towards El Paso, we got a brief respite from the, from the heat. It uh, cooled down to about 98 for about 10 minutes, and then it was back up into uh, 102, 103, and... Uh, I think we reached about 108 degrees today, uh, crossed over from New Mexico. Actually, we were in um, uh, just north of El Paso when we, we left this morning. 
just near a little town called Pecos, Texas, and uh, made our way through El Paso, then on into the enchanted state of New Mexico, uh, where we saw nary a soul, uh, I would say, for most of that trip, and then uh, on into Nevada. A brief stop at the Hoover Dam. Oh, we, of course, I skipped right over Arizona. A brief stop at the uh, Hoover Dam, which was certainly uh, worth the, uh, the side trip. That was my first trip there. Absolutely spectacular. If you've never been to this remarkable edifice, um, you know, it, it was built between 1931 and 1935. It looked like they just poured the concrete yesterday. It's in pristine condition. And, of course, Lake Mead, very, very low, the water levels, uh, but uh, a spectacular, spectacular vis- uh, uh, trip. And I uh, made a quick side trip to Las Vegas, and then here we are in Pahrumpf, hunkered down at a, uh, a little Best Western doing uh, the program tonight. Great to hear from Barry in Osaka, Japan. Earlier, let's say hello to Fred in Whitby, a little closer to home. Good evening. Good morning, Fred. Hi. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Uh, I wanted to ask your guest uh, why he hasn't tried or why uh, Jane Fonda isn't on board. Do you think she'd be interested? She wanted peace back in the 60s and wanted to bring the boys home. You think she'd have an interest in it? She'd be a good spokesman and swing a lot of weight in Vietnam. That's a terrific question. Unfortunately, uh, Arnold had to leave us. Um, you know, it, it it is a great question. What my my question to him was, and we didn't really get around to it. I I started to ask him about Muhammad Ali and and whether, when he returned from that trip, if he was convinced that there were still POWs. Why he didn't get behind it and become vocal, of course, Muhammad has been somewhat silenced by his Parkinson's, but still mm-hmm. able to communicate. You would think that he, too, would be, you know, uh, screaming to the best of his ability from, uh, you know, to anyone who would listen. Um, but um, it seems like people like Arnold are, are uh, and, and, you know, the, the family members are out there hollering in the wilderness, as it were. But certainly... You would think Jane Fonda would be uh, would be willing to jump on board. Perhaps I'll uh, email Arnold and ask him that that question, and uh, if he responds, I'll let you know on a future program. Fred, thanks for that call from Whitby. You're welcome. Let's, let's uh, usher in our dear friend, media scientist, and the researcher on the conspiracy show, the television version, and of course that would be none other than Nelson Thal. Hello, Nelson. Good morning. Hey Richard, it's great to be uh, to be on here with you. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. I know I sent you a quick email just after I left Dealey Plaza uh, when we were still in Fort Worth, and what a what a remarkable trip that was to be standing there on Commerce Street and also in the uh, the doorway of the Texas School Book Depository. Um, and uh, of course, you are a, a longtime JFK assassination researcher who's been to Daily Plaza many times, but that was my first trip, so I was glad I was able to share it with you by email. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it, it's uh, you've got to actually go to the place and see it, and then you'll it's 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 a it's, it's hollow ground because it's certainly where um, they, they, they the coup that took over with uh, the the uh, the uh, battle of the bulge that took over really um, really stretched its muscle there, and and it's pretty evident. The thing that struck me, Nelson, standing there at the uh, the intersection of Houston and, um, uh, and Commerce is how small the area is. You know, we're 
We're used to seeing, of course, the the, the Zapruder film, and of course, Oliver Stone's JFK. And because of the momentous, the import of that tragic event, it in our minds, I think we think that this is a huge area, but it's tiny. I mean, once yeah. he turned onto Commerce Street, the presidential motorcade, it's just, you know, less than a hundred yards probably to the underpass leading on, and then from there onto the Stemson Expressway. It's a very small area. Penn Jones used to say that uh, uh, that people should remember that JFK was killed within 40 yards of the sheriff's desk. Wow, that that certainly, uh, yeah, that that says it all. Right under the wing of the police force and under their protection. So under their protection is what it all happened. I got a quick story, Nelson. I know you've got some things you want to share, but I yeah, I do. To mention this. Um, So I'm standing there on um, in the on the grassy knoll right where the the plaque is, you know, marking the spot where supposedly the fatal headshot was uh, delivered to uh, President John F. Kennedy. And uh, my cell phone rings, and it's none other than Jim Mars, because from Dealey Plaza we were heading over to his place to to, to interview him. And he calls, and I said, Jim, uh, we'll be there about 2 o'clock. He said, but right now I'm standing at Dealey Plaza, or on on, uh, the grassy knoll. He says, he says, howdy, Richard. He says, "Quick, turn around." He says, "Look back at the behind you to the the uh, the, 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 the Texas Book Depository building." So I turn around. Now the the window that Oswald supposedly fired from was the sixth floor, and it's uh, sort of the corner window, and it's still sort of it's nailed in place. It's kind of ajar. It's half open. So when you're looking up, you can see it. He says, "But when you look back, it's totally obscured by the trees." And so Jim was pointing this out. He says, see, there's no way Oswald could have got a clear shot. I said, but Jim, that's 48 years ago. Those trees would have been much smaller. He said, no. He said, they were that exact size. They've cut them back on three separate occasions. He says, but what you're seeing right about now, of course, he lives in the area. He knows the area very well. He says, that's what Oswald would have been looking through, that tree. And yeah. uh, it's true. You, I mean, there's no clear shot from from that That's building right. down Commerce Street. Yeah. But, of course, they had such control over the public's consciousness that, remember, Robert De Niro said in the movie uh, Wag the Dog, said, Stan, he was talking to Dustin Hoffman, he goes, Stan, I read the first version of the Warren Commission. It says he was killed by a drunk driver. <laughs> there you go. There you go. They had all sorts of stories ready to go that day, didn't they? Indeed they did. And, yeah. Um, but you know the, the 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 interesting thing is the building across the street on Elm 501 Elm Plaza, um, and this is one of the theories that uh, uh, the the actual gunman, one of the gunmen, of course there were several, one of the gunmen was firing from the fourth floor from 501 Elm Plaza. Now when you look at that, I mean he, that's a clear shot right down Commerce. Yeah, the Daltex building and under the sewer and yes. uh, from behind the picket fence. Well, there was the, um, all the angles were covered. They had gunmen at all five gunmen's five teams, and um, but Rich, there's a lot going on right now that's exciting here in Canada while you're away. Indeed, um, okay. psychoenergetic weapons used to bring down a seven three seven right in front of the auspices of the police and the Canadian military forces running a big ex running a show. This was an Air air Resolute show. Resolute Bay. Yeah. What, now, now tell me what you're hearing about that tragic case. Well, I'm hearing that it's all exactly as Tom Bearden said. Colonel Bearden's coming to the fore again. 
uh, psychoenergetic weapons. They used them before um, in 1977 and 87, and they can just beam it up at you and freeze you in motion. Some sort of a particle beam type weaponry. Is that what a we're ray, talking about? A, an invisible ray like in your, like in your, your uh, radar range, an invisible beam that they can start to take control of your thoughts and feelings, and they've got it. And, and what would be the motive in this case? Well, Rich, I think it's the same motive as all in order to gather the men's and armies to do battle at the Valley of Megiddo. Right? They're yeah. arming. They're rearming. They're getting the armies together, and you do it. This is how you do it. They're this practicing. This is how they test through, whether they're testing the weapon. Uh... Mm-hmm. What, what were they running on 9-11? A test of weapons. A weapons test, that's what What's it was. Your, what was your source uh, on, on, on this story? Um, intelligence, some intelligence group? What was your source for this story? Scientists okay. who can measure the pulses and know it's how the equipment, and know that it's being used. What else Scientists. is going on, Nelson, that you wanted to share? Pardon me? What else is going on that you wanted to share? Well, I think we are in our con- conspiracy department, state secret department, we should make it clear to everybody that they have the ability to let the good times roll or they can bring in a depression. And you know that the con- connection between Kennedy, the old man Kennedy, and the depression. He was part of that operation that brought it in. So they like so this business about uh, what's happening with the debt etc. Uh, Leo Wanta an an ambassador one of the American ambassadors is sitting with 27 trillion dollars and he wants to pay it back to the US government and of course the Clinton gang the Bush gang were blocking him. There's all sorts of really interesting and people can follow me on my Facebook site or Bloomandsteel.com and okay, follow what's happening. It's really story. interesting. We got a, we got a few minutes. A little bit of the backstory on this. This this was uh, the the uh, ambassador to the Soviet Union under Reagan, was he not? He wasn't the ambassador at that point. He ah. started off as the master engraver, who 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 was hired under contract uh, to print up uh, trillions of dollars of Russian rubles. Ah, okay, that's the connection to Russia. Okay, so this was in, they wanted to create this phony, for Reagan and Bush. phony money, uh, phony money, so that they could flood uh, Russia with counterfeit money and cripple their economy. That 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 their own state banks couldn't 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 detect with their best machines. Right. Okay. Perfect so counterfeit then, money. Okay, so that's what that was what his brought job. Down was the real way you bring down an empire, flood it with its currency. Right. They had that as a as a back channel route all along. They created it, and then they decided to take it out. And so, how did this individual end up with twenty seven trillion U.S. dollars? Very simple, because he was in on the, how the the ruble would would fall when it was flooded. He was able to take out contracts, derivative contracts, put options in effect, and the the put options were worth trillions of dollars. And what happened was he was put in charge of $800 million as custodian. The money was given by Reagan, President Reagan, to a company that was a CIA company, and Wanta was the custodian of the funds. And he paid the $800 million back once already to the Treasury of the United States. And now he's been trying to pay $4.5 trillion and then try and pay more of it off, because think about what that would do to the debt situation in the U.S. Right, right. 
It's very and so, interesting, and he's uh, so you can look at his website. He has a website, Wanta, so people can Google it in. It's, the internet's a great medium for following up on these stories. Can you spell that for us? Which Wanta? Yeah, L E O W A N T A. Leo Wanta, and it's Wanta.com. And I met him through, um, never met him face-to-face, but uh, it was Sherman Skolnick and Hennigan who were on top of this story right from the beginning. So, And where is Leo Wanta now? You know, Rich, remember this guy went with Vernon Walters, the general, and Vince Foster to the Swiss border to arrest Mark Rich. And he was sent there by Vice President Gore. And when the whole operation was failed, uh, Vince Foster's body wound up on Lafayette Park bench, and Fa- uh, Leo Wanta wound up in, uh, in, in a, under arrest in Wisconsin and charged with the fact he owed $12,000 in back taxes, and Vernon Walters disappeared somewhere in the Pentagon. So where so these guys are today, true? who knows? But Wanta certainly is out and about and in contact. Where is that $27 trillion? He's got it in banks all around the world. And he's sitting there. And you know what? If you've got $800 million and you're playing derivatives and you know that you're good, you've printed up a lot of Russian rubles and you're going to flood the market with rubles and you know they're going to drop, you can take out with $800,000 or less than that a hell of a lot of put options such that once the thing falls down to nothing, I mean, you know, it's $27 trillion isn't a lot when you're playing that game. No, it's it's like having inside information at the track, and you bet everything on the on the. Uh, on the you long know which shot. horse is going to win, place, and yeah. show all the time. You're betting exactly. on them all. You can turn in a lot of cash. Sure, sure. So uh, these guys did that, and he's just and they want to pay it back, and no one wants to take it. They can't. They're being blocked. Isn't that interesting, <laughs> and, Nelson? Yeah, always so a pleasure. Thank you, my mysterious friend. Mysterious times we live in. Oh, I'll say. I will say for sure. We'll talk when I get back. Anyway, thanks for giving me the plug, bloomandsteel.com or lennybloom.net, and and, uh, I look forward to seeing you back here and have a good time with the TV show. I know it's going to be another really fantastic season. Your show is terrific. Well, and thank you for all your help, uh, Nelson, as a researcher on The Conspiracy Show. Of course, that kicks off Monday, September the 28th on Vision TV, 11 p.m. Eastern. It runs five nights a week, Monday to Friday, uh, the first half hour, of, uh, you get at 11 o'clock, you get a new episode, followed by an episode from season one. So from 11 p.m. to 12 a.m., Monday to Friday, starting September the 28th. All right, Nelson, talk soon, and thank you. Good night. Thank you. All right. When we come back, we'll have time for a few more quick calls. 416-360-0740. Toll free from out of town, 866-744-740. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show, live from Pahrumpf, Nevada. Stay with us. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Curiosity? Or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. 
To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. I wasn't supposed to be in Pahrumpa, Nevada uh, tonight. I thought I'd be further on down the road, perhaps as far as Carson City, uh, where I am to meet with a noted Robert F. Kennedy assassination researcher. We're doing a, an episode on Sirhan Sirhan and whether or not he was, in fact, framed a Manchurian candidate, hypno-programmed to be essentially a patsy. Um, but I got sort of sidetracked. We ended up in Pahrumpa. Had to pull off the road, obviously, because we uh, had a radio show to do. Uh, but uh, the other reason I thought I might end up in Pahrumpa was to interview Colonel Billy Woodard, who is really central to this so this whole uh, hollow earth theory, which is another episode we're working on. Uh, earlier this afternoon or this morning, I was in Sun City, Arizona, interviewing Rodney Clough, who um, is the author of uh, World Top Secret, Our Earth is Hollow, and he's also involved in this expedition uh, in search of an inner passage to the hollow earth. And it was Rodney who suggested I get in touch with uh, Colonel Billy Woodard, and we've been trying to raise him on the phone and by email. And uh, uh, as it turns out, uh, once the camera stopped rolling, uh, Rodney and um, a friend of his, who is also uh, a hollow earth researcher, uh, mentioned to me that they were a little concerned about uh, uh, Billy, hadn't been able to uh, reach him, uh, as I have not been able to reach him. They had mentioned to him that uh, they had gotten wind of a rather mysterious location in a place called Wickenburg, Arizona. Uh, this information came to Rodney's associate um, from a biker, member of a biker gang. I won't mention the biker gang or the, the name of the gang, uh, but they are a prominent biker gang, very organized. Uh, this was the secretary of the biker gang who pointed on a map put an X on a map identifying a gravel road in uh, Wickenburg, Arizona. And uh, the six miles of gravel road, brand new gravel road, leading to a barn, a brand new barn built into the side of a mountain, reported that big trucks, military vehicles drive into the barn. They don't come out. And um, alongside this gravel road is about six miles worth of um, fiber optic cable very strange, right in the middle of nowhere. And uh, they mentioned this place, that uh, it's rumored it might be possibly leading to some sort of cavern, perhaps an inner passage to the hollow earth. This is an area of, of uh, great interest to uh, Colonel Billy Woodard. They told him, though, not to go. This was about three weeks ago. And Billy insisted that he had to go, that he was very curious, he wanted to find out more. Uh, and they haven't heard from uh, from him since then, and nor have I. So here I am in Pahrumpa, hoping that um, any moment now my phone will ring and it'll be Colonel Billy Woodard saying, yes, I'm, I'm back in Pahrumpa, come and, uh, and interview me. But uh, nothing but silence. Not getting a, a return phone call. I left numerous messages. So if uh, Colonel Billy Woodard is out there and listening, we'd love to talk to you for the uh, Conspiracy TV show. Um, but very quickly, the other bit of information that was told to me about this this stretch of gravel road leading to a barn built into the side of a mountain, uh, 
is that um, this one individual decided he was going to organize uh, some sort of an expedition, camp out there overnight to see what was going on. He hired a cameraman from Los Angeles. He contacted a friend of his who was a U.S. federal marshal who agreed to come. They were going to sit and wait at this barn. So one day, this individual is um, spotted by a prominent member uh, of the Phoenix area, a prominent citizen of the Phoenix area, who walks up to, up to him and puts his finger on his chest and tells him, in no uncertain terms, stay the bleep bleep out of Wickenburg. He knew all about these plans, although this individual had told no one that he'd recruited a U.S. federal marshal and a cameraman from Los Angeles. Somehow this shadowy figure knew, told him to stay the bleep bleep away from Wickenburg. So he canceled the, uh, the cameraman. He told his uh, friend, the U.S. Marshal, not to go to Wickenburg. His friend didn't listen, decided he was going to go. He said, what are they going to do to me? I'm a U.S. Federal Marshal. He finds this gravel road, drives to the end of it, sees the barn built into the side of the hill. It's uh, dark. No one's coming in or out. On the property next to the barn is a, uh, a brand-new structure, kind of a, a ranch-style house. He gets out of his car. He walks around the house, tries to look in the window. No lights, nothing. Walks around, walks up to the barn. Nobody, nobody in sight. Goes back to his car, notices his left front tire is flat. Changes the tire, drives home, calls the friend back in Phoenix and tells him what happened. So the, so the individual that I met in the Phoenix area says, well, check that front tire that was flat. So he goes back out to the car, opens the trunk where the flat tire is, searches around. What does he find? Three twenty-two caliber bullets embedded in the rubber of the tire. So over the phone, the U.S. Marshal says, well, that's strange. I didn't hear anything. His friend says, haven't you ever heard of a silencer? You're lucky those three twenty twos didn't end up in the back of your skull. As I was leaving Sun City, piling into the car with my crew, that individual said to me, stay the bleep bleep out of Wickenburg. We actually drove through Wickenburg on the way out here, and uh, for just a moment we thought, Wow, wouldn't it be fun to try and find that gravel road? But luckily we thought the better of it, and uh, we will live uh, to fight another day. So the uh, mystery of Wickenburg, Arizona remains, and so does the whereabouts of Colonel Billy Woodard. All right, that's it for me. My thanks to Griffin March back in the studio at 550 Queen Street West in Toronto. Thank you for your assistance and capable uh, work. Also, thanks to... uh, and Nader Murai, one of our uh, our crew here on the TV show, who is uh, helping me get this show off the ground live from Pahrumpa, Nevada. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Victor Vigiani back in studio. I'll be back in town in studio. We'll talk to UFO researcher Grant Cameron and some other uh, surprises as well. Richard Gage uh, has a brand new film out from Architects and Engineers. Uh, he'll be along to talk about that. I will be pres- uh, helping him present that film. 
at the Underground Cinema on, uh, I believe, September the 7th. I'll have more news about that as well. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. And what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.